I am Giuseppe. Hi, I'm Anthony, and this is For the Love of Sophia, a philosophy podcast brought to you by the Public Philosophy Project. If you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, please follow us on Twitter. Enjoy the ride. The last episode, we were having this conversation about consciousness, and one of the things we were saying is that gaining knowledge about consciousness that we do not have is important because it can change the way we interact with other living things, right? Because now we say humans are conscious, but what does that mean for animals? and even plants or something like that, right? Absolutely, and we were talking about where the relevance is, right? Mm -hmm. for, for this, why do we want to know mm -hmm. about this consciousness? And I think that, as you said, it is very important because it gives us new avenues and new ways to look at other animals and then establishing if they do or do not have consciousness. So how do they, how do we attribute consciousness to these mm -hmm. other entities? Well, we can change radically the way we interact with this. That's with, true. With this, with this beings of any sort, right? If all of a sudden you figure out that carrots have a consciousness, <laughs> right? And there is something that you feel like being a carrot and being eaten feels like you were being, yeah. You know, somebody was taking a bite off of you. Oh no! Then all of a sudden, right? It's like, things, what do we eat? Well, then becomes different, and uh, yeah. And I wonder if, and. And again, this is just saying, understanding if they're doing that, then there's the other level. Like, let's assume that they do. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that we stop eating carrots or we don't care? Because that's a completely different question, right? That's true. Uh, but one thing is establishing and establishing like a, some sort of a minimal requirements for something or mm -hmm. someone better. Mm -hmm. To have consciousness, yeah, it's it's important, right? And what would it look like? Can you, can we think of of something, some minimal definition of things know. that you need to have? And it's I know it's pressing, and, right? And I'm but, thinking like, what would what would happen to those beings who who just miss the cutoff, right? right. So you have like the carrots rights movement <laughs> exactly. or something like that. <laughs> can you imagine, you know, let's say let's assume that you need to have some, and some of them can be physical, some others might not, because mm -hmm. we as we said last mm -hmm. episode. Maybe there's this whole realm that we don't see and that we need some sort of uh, analysis. Um, so I wonder, what, what would you characterize as the, like a minimal, if there is any, and again, I don't want to press you on, on something that's super difficult and I don't, I don't have an answer for this. I have yeah. to think about this. Um, but are there some minimal characteristics that something needs to have? I think qualia. Okay. Because I don't think it can be awareness in a technical sense, right? Because computers can be quote-unquote aware, they detect things. But it could be awareness in a more, like, anthropomorphic sense where our sense of awareness includes qualitative awareness. Okay, something more than self-awareness you're talking about here? Well, as something more than detecting information. Okay. Right, because if by awareness you mean detecting information, then the computer is aware. Yes, definitely then the tree is aware. 
yes, detecting sun and where the water is, right. moving the roots. To, yeah. So if there's something behind this detection, mm. something that it feels like to detect the information, okay. I think that's where consciousness proper comes into play. Um, definitely. I'm wondering, though, is it possible for us mm -hmm. to detect this in something else and someone else because with you yeah. I'm assuming that because we look alike yeah uh, meaning species wide right mm -hmm. that, uh, that we have some characteristics that we share that seem obvious to me I am assuming that you also experience those things right yeah. and I'm and also it, and assuming it's assumption you, yes right, yes yeah. uh, but I have no certainty of that right and of course the assumption gets more and more difficult to do when things look very different than the way we look. So yeah. there's this whole idea that we have airplane coming by. Is the airplane conscious? <laughs> um, this this idea that um, that some things we respect more sort of that we have we're more careful when we talk about dogs or when we talk about cats rather than when we talk about chickens. Yes. Because somehow their appearance mm -hmm. is similar to our appearance. Again the eyes are in the front of their face rather than being on the side. Uh, they have uh, specific features that we recognize in ourselves. We anthropomorphize them more, if you want, right? Yeah. We're able to, to make them similar to us, and that leads for us to respect them more, right? Yeah. But, and we are more prone to give them mm -hmm. some conscious characteristics, mm -hmm. if you want. Uh, then when you compare, when you look at instead a clam, you yeah. don't do that because it's missing all these things. Or right? a bug. Or a bug. These right. things are out, but is there, can we be sure that, can I be sure that you have consciousness right, and right. that a bug doesn't? <laughs> so I think the only way that you could be able to know if I probably am mm -hmm. and that the bug probably isn't is by adopting some kind of emergentist position where you do think there's a relationship between physical anatomy and consciousness because that's how you can look at me and be like all right well he has all those same brain stuffs that i have so he's probably conscious whereas you look at a centipede and i hate centipedes <laughs> and you look at them and you say okay they don't have the same brain stuffs and so probably they're not conscious by having the same brain stuff you mean having the specific same brain structure or having a brain a mammals kind of brain or hmm. or, or uh, you know where, where do we make the cut yeah like at what part of the brain yes. does it become you're alive mm -hmm. but you're not conscious and then you're alive but you do have consciousness yes. is it primates is it mammals <sighs> is it cold-blooded animal or is it none? Or is it it's none? possible, right? Like yeah, that exactly. could be the thing that makes humans human. Yes, and and I'm wondering, like, and I'm curious because this historically has been like this forever, right? We associate, well, historically, but it wasn't always like that. At the same time, we associate consciousness and mind with the brain, right? That's true. But why isn't instead of that, I don't know, the fact that we have two legs mm. and you know ten mm. toes 
or why is it not the fact that we have a heart that's shaped in a specific way, the fact that we are standing, the fact that we have 32 teeth or whatever it is, yeah. why is that to be the brain? Well, I think it's because we know we associate consciousness with thought and we know that the brain has a necessary relation to thought. And psychology has basically proven this, right? So if mm -hmm. you look at... Uh, the Phineas Gage example where the spike went through his head and his whole personality was different. When you see a number of cases happening... But I'll bet you that if you put a spike through his heart, his whole personality <laughs> is different as well as dead, isn't it? I guess that's true. I guess that's true. No, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, joke aside. But it is possible to think different. I mean, and there's always the possibility that there's this alter realm, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess it just comes back to thought, which is, for me, coming back to Descartes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I, see, I see. So you think that the historically we're drawn to that because of the cards, so to speak, or because of psychology? I think, well, specifically the brain relating to consciousness stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, definitely psychology put us in that direction, but like, what were the precursors to that? I don't know. And... And I wonder again, psychology is not immune from right. mistakes and right. you know, and let's not forget that they told us that if you have a specific shape of your head, you are a criminal or not, right? Yeah. Phrenology. Phrenology, yeah. right? They were there, but it was science. Yeah. I always I always remember uh, this idea that you were depressed and to get rid of depression they will pull out all your teeth in your mouth because oh, yeah. that's where depression resides right yeah, the, and like humoral theory exactly yeah. so those things were sciences so I wonder if 50 years 100 years from now they will be like oh these people they thought that consciousness was in the brain yeah. they didn't realize that it was in their armpits or whatever it, right, it was in their eyelids the whole time uh, it's, it's, well I'm thinking maybe we can go Prior to science, now I'm thinking of Locke, mm -hmm. because in the essay concerning human understanding, he he tries to prove the existence of the the external world, mm -hmm. but he appeals to this idea this idea of sensory organs, right? He says like you can know something's there besides you because if you don't have the sense organs you can't have that experience, right? So he'll say, the reason you can't see is because you don't have the organs proper to seeing that thing. So now we've moved the bar back and we see it's at least in the empiricists. Yes. And I don't know. Right. So maybe, maybe consciousness at least has to do with the combination of sensory organs plus the brain some sort of brain those two things are necessary because that's more than just, just that's just, true than just the brain right yeah because a brain and a vat right yeah. can he be conscious no because it's missing the access to mm. the world right we need some something that inputs information right, there, right? so the brain is like the power source right and so you can plug your sensory organs into the brain and only then they're going to work because mm -hmm. if you have a sensory organ without any connection to the brain it's not going to happen. So there's two things. The possibility for you to experience, to have sensations of any sort, to have, again, sight, touch, all those things. Those things are necessary as much as of the existence of a brain in order for us mm -hmm. to have conscious experiences, in order yes. to access, access this quality, right? Yeah. 
if I'm deaf, no matter how much I put Beethoven on, yeah, I cannot experience that, right? Right. So maybe this idea that a mind is not just based on on what this brain is, but rather it's a larger entity. It's a network that englobes at least our sensory data, right? Mm-hmm. No, our sensory. Sorry, our sensory organs, which then get the sensory data exactly, and then send it to the brain. Yes. So would that be? It's larger. It is. Well, then that now we're just not just. It's not little, but now we're see. So we're saying we're basically a computer with something extra. How? What are our computational uh, constituents, right? Because in the first place we were saying. It's something in the brain, but now we're saying, okay, it's not just the brain, it's the sensory organs, and then it's also got to be the neural connections between those things. And I'm wondering, though, to make it even more complicated, okay. <laughs> I'm wondering, though, if at this point, if we should call a mind, there's two things that we had mentioned already, plus what's outside, plus the things that I'm seeing. If that's not also part, that must be part of it, right? At the end of the day, if we're talking about so, if we're talking about the fact that the mind is what gives leeway to this thing that we call consciousness, maybe mm -hmm. we can. I don't know if they are completely the same thing, but consciousness is a big part of this thing sure. that we call mind. At least me and you mm -hmm. here, right? I wonder though if to have this conscious experience in my in my head, I'm thinking, we need the, the, the physical aspect, the brain, mm -hmm. plus the organs mm -hmm. that bring this information in for me to have this experience. But I can have organs, I can have a brain, but if there's nothingness around me, mm. I'm still not going to get any experiences. Well, that's a good question because it makes you wonder, can something be conscious without receiving the data necessary in a vacuum so to speak right for and then there's also the idea of can you be conscious without being aware that you're conscious right so if you don't know that you're experiencing qualia not literally the terminology mm -hmm. but if you're not aware of the fact that you're aware can that count as consciousness is that consciousness right and i'm thinking of that article about the pig mm -hmm. that you sent out and that we were talking about where yes. they revived this pig brain, at least in part, and they saw vital functions, yes. right? Like, like the signs of life were there, and they actually put barriers in place to prevent it from becoming conscious. Because if it did, they would have to pull the plug because they were like, whoa. Yeah, that would be scary. If, if this brain right? knew <laughs> yes. that something was going on, Yes. What would that be? And that would raise all these ethical questions. Absolutely. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking also, and definitely that that's a direction. I'm thinking also, if that's the case, right? If those external things are necessary mm -hmm. in order for us to be conscious. And again, and being aware of being aware, all those meta levels, right? Mm -hmm. I wonder if we just, if we, it doesn't become arbitrary wherever we make this cut, right? Where do we stop? Because all those things are necessary, right? Yeah. The brain is necessary. The sensory organs are necessary. The sensory data is necessary. Mm -hmm. What's outside is necessary. It, at least it seems, right? To, hmm. to find this minimal conception of consciousness, right? 
if that's the case, then isn't isn't there like a whole system in place? Right. So is consciousness maybe a system rather than a thing? Yeah, that's a good question. And I'm trying to think of how to respond. And I'm wondering if, like, if we're, if we're limiting ourselves to the hardware, you know, the stuff in your brain and your sensory organs, and not including the outside, is that good enough? Because we, I'm sure we would acknowledge that having the condition for the possibility of qualia is not the same thing as qualia itself. Absolutely. So we have to figure out by consciousness if we mean having qualia or having the possibility for having qualia. Now, if that was the case, maybe we should, we can stop just at the sense organs, right? Yeah, yeah. But would that be the same though? Is that enough to be considered? Would it be just, um, would it be that we have the possibility of having consciousness yeah. rather than having consciousness? And like, I'm thinking, like is a computer a computer when it's not computing? Yes, right? Mm. And I'm, I'm also thinking of more, how can I say, um, controversial issues, right? When we talk about fetuses and, and embryos, right? Uh, in that case, the fact that they have the possibility of being conscious eventually, right? Mm. Does that make them already... Is that enough, right? That's a very good question. Because those things... Again, w w when we look at the, at the consequences of what we're thinking about, right? Which mm -hmm. I, I hope we've been doing a good job at this. <laughs> um, that becomes problematic because, again, if, we, if the possibility of the... the the ability, let's call it, to mm -hmm. having him in power, we can say, mm -hmm. um, does, does consciousness is enough to declare something conscious, then the moment you have developed mm. those possibilities makes you conscious, right? So we, let's assume that a centipede cannot never be conscious because it's missing the arbor stuff, yeah, right? I've killed too many. It, it's not there. It's not there. So we have no... That, that's not an issue for us, right? Okay. Uh, but then when we go to uh, other things that might have... that Where the hardware is there, but for some reason something isn't developed into conscious. So uh, there's like proto-consciousness. Yes. What do we do there? Do we give a, and think of all the status, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, uh, this consciousness thing that no matter the way you look at it, if you look at it from the qualitative perspective, which is the way me and you're looking at it, or even if you look at it from the merely physical perspective, mm -hmm. that thing is the thing that gives you access in our world, at least, to rights. Yes. To, to you know, legal status. Mm -hmm. Um but also, this is the reason why you pay taxes. If you're missing these things, <laughs> right? Uh, all the responsibilities also come if you're conscious. Yeah. I will not ask on my dog of doing certain <laughs> things, or but at the same time, my dog cannot sue me, mm -hmm. or my dog has let's face. I don't know. I know people don't like to hear this, but dogs have less rights than human beings. Sure. And if the dog dies. And I don't have a funeral for my dog. Nobody's going to be scandalized. Right, no one's speaking on the dog's behalf. Exactly, right? Um, so it is important. Again, is that possibility enough? And I'm thinking also things like primates, right? Chimps. I was going to ask about bonobos or chimps. Right? Because they seem to have all but 
that, right? Yeah. Everything, the hardware is there, but the seam, at least from our perspective, is still missing. Okay, this is funny because I met Dan Dennett once. Okay. So, those of you who don't know, Dan Dennett is this famous philosopher of mine. He's like one of the big few. And he's very much a materialist. He believes that all that there is is the physical, the brain is the mind, blah, blah, blah. So, Dennett came to speak when I was an undergrad at Montclair. And he gave this presentation, uh, and it started out being about two different versions of the question why, like one version of why okay. is what for, and then the other version of why is how come. And so it was a weird presentation, but anyway, in the Q&A, we were like, all right, but really we want to ask you these questions about, you know, your consciousness explains and all that stuff. And I asked a question because he was talking about how ants can be called intelligent yes. and how lots of things in our world can become intelligent without there being an intelligent designer, right? So he's making this atheistic case that we have intelligent design without an intelligent designer. And so you look at how waves shape rocks, you look at how ants uh, make their intricate tunnels and all that. And so he said, those aren't conscious. And I asked a question and I said something like, well, okay, so you say that I am conscious. He says, yes. And then I say, so you say that the ant is not conscious. He says, right? I say, at, at what point does that happen? Like, for example, if you take things like bonobos who can learn... Mm, Rudimental stuff. Yeah, you know, they could learn symbols, some small form of language that could use tools. Are they conscious? And he kind of didn't take the question seriously. Okay. Like I got this eye roll feeling where he was like, okay, well, so you have something that's semi-conscious, and then you have something that's demi-conscious, and then hemi-semi-demi-conscious. And he just gave this answer, and then he's like, I don't know. And I was like, well, isn't that an important <laughs> question, right? <laughs> of course it is. And so it never got addressed. But Okay, well. So it seems like the question that me and you think mm -hmm. is important, Dad, other philosophers of mine, yeah, and scientists do not think is important. I wonder why though. I wonder what's the what's the economy of this thing, right? Because they're pragmatists, I think. I I wonder if i sometimes I wonder how do we well I'll always wonder why do we decide that certain things deserve our attention scientifically yeah. and other don't. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if it has to do with uh, the specific socio-economic system where we live in but that's a completely different argument we won't touch yeah. this right now at least uh, and it's it, weird it's extra weird because he actually studies consciousness absolutely so it makes sense if you're a scientist doing you know broad things and then you're like I can't be bothered with that question but if your whole career is it's based, based on, on that, yeah. you made a book called Consciousness Explained you're going on these tours explaining about consciousness and then someone says oh so like when did consciousness start to just say Oh, well, that's not an important question. So I'm thinking, so there is this old thing, right? Um, I remember in, when I was at, in college, um, I learned this this idea that historically, different centuries, and of course it's approximated, right, have different specific questions that are allowed or not allowed, that are cool or not cool, mm -hmm. right? And the 1800s, for example, it seems to be the century of the origins. Mm. Everyone wants to know where and when that language started, right? 
when and where uh, that history started, when and where, all those things. And then in the, um, in the 1900s, again, in the 20th century, we said, we don't care about this. We don't want to know about the origins of stuff. We want to know how they work. And who mm -hmm. cares when they start, when they don't start? Who cares mm. about the demarcation problem is not a problem that it's interesting for us anymore. Because regardless of where it starts, what we need to know is how it works. And I think that that's kind of Dennett's point of view, right? He is convinced, I disagree with him, he is convinced though that he has explained to us how consciousness is and how it that's works. Right. Um, and the problem is that he doesn't care when he starts because he knows that this is the way you explain it. So he looks at a bonobo and I don't know what he thinks specifically. He says, are this material condition in there? Yes, then is conscious. No, there is not conscious. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think that's poor philosophy. And I know I'm Same. saying, I'm not saying something bad about Dennett, which is this giant, <laughs> and I'm saying he's doing poor philosophy. It's kind of presumption. But I like him enough to teach him. Yes, <laughs> I do. I think he's important. I agree with you. I agree with you. It is important, but I think that it is strangely blind Yes. yes. Uh, in one sense. Yeah, and uh, I'm thinking beyond Dennett, going back to the scientific community. So, you know, Michio Kaku, mm -hmm. who's like a popularizer of science. In this book, he has the future of the mind. He spends some time talking about consciousness, and he actually mentions Chalmers, which I was surprised about, and he talks about Dennett. Um, and he asks this question of, you know, is the heart, what is the hard problem, and is it legitimate? And so he goes through all the trouble of explaining it, and then he winds up saying something like, well, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if the computer feels red. That's what I'm talking about. They don't care. Yeah. They're like, who cares? Yeah. And then he'll make the move from saying it doesn't matter to it's, therefore it doesn't exist. And I'm like, okay, well, that's, a, that's two different claims. <laughs> that's poor science, poor philosophy. Again, yeah. it's, a, it's like faulty logic. I don't yeah. know. And these are like famous people. I right? know. You get so much respect. I know, I know. And it's, it's, I think the fame sometimes is not good for you. I, yeah. So, you know, don't, let's hope that we don't have too many, too many listeners. <laughs> more money, more problems. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I think that connected to this, I'm assuming that one of the things that is still connected with this, with this issue of, and problem of consciousness, right? That we haven't touched about, and uh, I think we should we should start talking about this in maybe in a, another episode, um, which is connected to what you just said, right? Is this idea that, uh, well, of course it's important to me to know if you're conscious or if you're not. For all I know, and there's this term of zombie, right? That's mm -hmm. thrown around, right? Mm -hmm. You could be a zombie, or I can be. You know, there's Chalmers makes the example of the parallel universe, where mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where you can you can be a zombie in one of them, and how would a philosophical zombie will, uh, will look like and act like? Um, and the reverse of it, um, which is this idea that more things that we think will be conscious, and how would we act, which is what we've been talking mm -hmm. about with animals and plants up to now. But mm -hmm. I think that this, this concept of zombie, and we're not talking about the walking dead or right. Romero's stuff, right. Right? It's, it's kind of important. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe that's what we'll start talking about, at least in... Yeah, we could start with that fresh. With the, in the next episode. Yeah, sounds good. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Mm -hmm.